Hello, this is the Mr. Nameless Podcast. Um, today is not a Tuesday, uh, Thursday, or a Saturday. Today is Friday, which is fun. Um, I am recording this at one forty-four. So, I am going to read a couple of horror stories, because why not? So, without further ado... Let's start. This story is called Devil's Hole Cave. Nathaniel H. H. Jackson's Journal. November 11th, 1911. I had never intended on venturing into that cave. That cave where no one ever dared to go near. I remembered when I was a child how my friends and I would play around the property border. Back then the cave was on a plot of land that belonged to my uncle. He didn't let anyone trespass not even his own family. He hated his brother, my father, and didn't do anything with the 200 acres until he died. Naturally, all of the land was an untamed wilderness. When my uncle died, my parents had already been gone a long time. Being that I was the elder, the eldest in my bloodline, the property went to me. Whether my uncle wanted me to have it or not, I'll never know. With the inheritance from my father, I had a lovely estate built on the property, and I'm in the midst of cleaning up the land. Considering I don't need too much space, I'm also in the process of selling parts of the land. I have no troubles doing so. The property, as it turns out, is quite pleasant with a bit of grooming. The cave is the only exception. I can't determine whether they are wolves or coyotes, but they do pose a threat. There's also the reason I began to investigate the cave in the first place. There's some sort of creature living in the cave. While there's probably a very logical explanation for what is in there, the legend behind it goes back several decades. During the war, a group of Confederate soldiers marched through the territory which I own today. They found the cave and decided to camp there for the night. One man who suffered from sleepwalking walked deep into the cave while fast asleep. He walked up to a drop-off in the cave and fell about 200 feet. When the other men woke the next morning, they did not find their friend and went looking for him in the cave. When they came to the drop-off, they heard what they believed to be the voice of Satan himself. I have heard and told this story many times. It's never affected me the way it does now, though. While the wild dogs are a problem, the legend also scares off potential buyers. I thought it may be in my best interest to find out what's in the cave and drive it out. I've gathered some rope, a little more than 200 feet, some flares, an an oil lamp, and my pack to carry it all in. Finally, I shall bring my father's rifle, which I have only ever used on quails and hope that it will be good enough to protect protect me against any wild hounds. I will discover what exactly lurks in the cave first thing tomorrow morning. November 12th, 1911. It's difficult to write, for my hand is still shaking and my heart has not stopped racing. I did, in fact, encounter a malevolent being in the cave. I cannot say what I saw, for in reality I saw nothing, but I fear I will never again be truly at peace after today's venture. 
I had left the house this morning at around 5 o'clock and had taken the automobile as close as I could get to get it to where the cave was. The vehicle could not drive over the brush, so I set it on I set it out on foot. From there, I was only about a mile away from the cave. As I was on my way, I realized what an effort it would be, what an effort it would take to make this land attractive to buyers. Several tall dead trees are scattered across the land and refuse to fall. Their grotesque branches cast a grim feel over the land. The grass is up to my my midriff and the insects are quite terrible. I told myself that if I did not find anything remarkable about the cave that day, then I would for com- then I would completely forget about the land around it entirely. I made it to the cave unscathed, but still annoyed at the swarms of bugs I had met on my journey. There were less bugs around the cave, which I was thankful for. It was still early in the morning, but I wanted to get home as soon as possible. With relative precaution, I entered the cave. The mouth of the cave was a bit of a squeeze, but I'm I'm somewhat slim and was able to maneuver my way through. As I went deeper into the cave, the ground slowly changed from rough soil to hard stone and the walls grew further apart. I didn't need my lamp at first, for the light from the sun reached deep into the cave. There were no stalactites to worry about, and the roof of the cavern was about eight feet up. I was beginning to feel a little disappointed. This legendary cave did not seem to have any significance at all. There was no light in the area ahead, so I picked up a small rock and threw it. To my surprise, I didn't... I didn't hear it land as soon as I thought it would. Instead, I heard an impact very far away. My heart began to thump with with excitement. I lit the oil lamp with a match and walked forward. Sure enough, just like the old story, a steep cliff lied before me. I'm not afraid of heights, but I didn't want to fall into the abyss where no one would ever find me. I placed the lamp on my um I placed the lamp on my floor and lay myself flat on my stomach. I inched forward to get a better look at what was down there. I peeked my head over the edge to look down. It was pitch black. I would need to climb down. With the tools I brought, I hammered cleats into the stone floor and fastened my rope to them. I began to to descend. I held my lamp in one hand and gripped the strong cord with the other. My pack held the flares and the rifle. For about five minutes, I steadily lowered myself down into the darkness. I listened for any noise from below, but there was nothing. As I delved deeper, I began to wonder how how great it would be to return to the surface. When the bottom of my boot touched the ground, I let out a sigh of relief. My lamp was still lit, and the rope was still tethered to the surface. I looked around a good bit and walked to- and walked forwards. It was as though I was walking through an empty field at night. The air around me felt almost open, and I could have sworn I felt a faint breeze. However, the ground was barren as a tile floor, and the silence was quite ominous. My brief amazement had distracted me. I really should have used some sort of marking system when I finally struck with reality. I found myself lost in nothingness. A slight panic overcame me as I looked around, unable to determine which direction I had came from. I wandered in the vacuum and silence, feeling like a helpless toddler. It was the it was then that I stumbled upon the notebook. 
I had felt something under my shoe and, packed and, retract and retraced my steps to find a small leather journal. I picked it up and held it close to my lamp. The cover read one name, Daniel Roderick. I thumbed through a couple of pages and read one of the entries near the middle. June 17th, 1862. I had to see the doc today. He told me I got some namalism. I don't know what he meant at first, but he told me it was just a fancy word for sleepwalking. Uh, I don't need a doc to tell me when I tell me I've been sleepwalking. I've been doing it since I was a kid. Anywho, the doc wants me to take these special pills to stay asleep. I gotta pack a whole bunch before I leave tomorrow. I froze after reading the journal entry and closed the notebook. I had just found the journal of a man who sleepwalks in a, in a cave where a similar man is said to have died. As I stood there in the midst of nothingness, I heard the noise that will haunt me for as long as I live. At that very moment, there came a low hissing sound. I've never heard anything... I've, I've, I have never been to the Arctic Circle, yet I felt my blood turn as cold as the ocean water that runs through it. A shiver ran down my spine and I nearly dropped the lamp from my trembling hand. Clutching the notebook and my oil lamp, I ran. I ran as far as I could from the noise, but it did not cease. The hissing only grew louder and louder. I was looking straight ahead me ahead as I sprinted, not daring to look behind me. I was so blinded by genuine terror that I did not see the rough stone wall I, as I barreled into it. The force of the impact was so great that I shattered my lamp into a thousand of into into a thousand tiny glass pieces uh, a thousand of tiny glass pieces and shards of glass. I hit my head I hit my head rather hard on the wall but stood up immediately. Complete darkness. I put my hands to the wall and frantically and frantically walked parallel to it, moving to the right. I thought my heart would give out when I finally felt the familiar coarse feel of my robe. I took a moment to steady myself for I was breathing heavier than I had ever before. When my breathing calmed, I realized that it was more completely silent once more. I let out a small laugh, unsure if it was a laugh or a relief of or of relief or hysteria. Still clutching the rope with my right hand, I turned and put my back against the wall. My eyes might have been just as use, uh, useful closed. There was only black. I stared into the darkness. My breathing now have my breathing now having gone almost silent. I could have turned around at any moment and ascended back into sanity. However, an unknown force kept me staring into the nothingness, expecting something more. Something right in front of me began to hiss. The hissing sound was the most horrifyingly vile sound to ever enter my mind. Whatever was before me was large and could strike fear into death itself. How I got out of that treacherous cavern is beyond my understanding. My memory of escape is smeared by the sound of that demon. That monstrous entity should have finished me off right then and there in that cave with my back against the wall. However, I came home today knowing that the beast wanted me to live in fear for trying to exploit it. In the end, letting me live was the greatest torment that the monster could have bestowed upon me. 
It is now my curse to live with the memory of what the devil itself sounded like. Well, that was the first one. The next story is called Knox. You're lying in bed, fast asleep, until you hear a knock at your window. You wake up, contemplating on whether or not the sound was just your imagination, until you hear it again. Confused, you blankly stare at your window, wondering how the hell anyone could reach the second floor windows. After a few minutes of silence, you assume that it was just a couple of neighborhood kids throwing rocks at your window to scare you, or maybe just annoy you. You lay back down into your bed and rest your head on your pillow. As you shut your eyes, hoping to fall back asleep, you hear the knock again. Annoyed, you sit up immediately and peer at your, her at your window, expecting to see a rock hit the glass. That's when you hear the knock once again, except this time you realize it wasn't coming from your window. Hesitantly, you get, out of, you get out of your bed and walk towards the door. You open your door only to see that there was nothing there. A louder and harder knock is heard from downstairs. At this point, at this point you're now fully awake. Um, you're frustrated at what's happening so late at night. You go downstairs and check every window and door, only to find absolutely nothing. After waiting for about 10 minutes to hear another knock, you walk back upstairs, finally um, finally wanting to get some rest. Upon entering your room, you notice that your window was open, allowing a cool breeze to flow throughout your room. You stop dead in your tracks, wondering what is happening and how the window opened, until you hear one final light knock from behind you. You turn around, only to become face-to-face -face with me. This next, this next song, not song, this next story is called A Child's Eyes. Every child fears under the bed. If they don't, they fear the closet or maybe the little crack in the almost closed door. Scientists know children are more perceptive. Uh, they see things adults don't. They aren't yet tethered into only accepting what society wants them to accept. They see what is truly there. They see the monsters. If you were to borrow a child's eyes and see them, see through them for a night, you would go insane. To be able to see what only what you only dimly remember, burrowing into your covers while wearing those trained pajamas, hoping to God you can, you can barely comprehend that it doesn't see you back, would drive an adult crazy. Because adults forgot the rules. Cover yourself. If you can't see it, it can't see you. Even if it makes it harder to breathe. Don't make a noise. Every whimper can lead to destruction. Don't move. It attracts their attention. Only lights can make them go away. Bright lights. Flashlights make it worse. Teens are caught in the middle. They still feel what's there, but they can't see it. And they forget the rules. Why do you think there are so many insomniacs typing at their computers, subconsciously praying the light from their monitor will be enough to keep them away? It's not. Now look behind you with a child's eyes and try not to scream. This next story is called 
the dog stealer. Maddie, I just wanted to thank you again for letting me use grandma, Grandpa's house. Things haven't really turned around since I got laid off, and being able to stay here has been a real blessing. Jen stops by to give me a lecture and make sure I'm still on my meds, which I am, and takes me to job interviews every so often, but nothing has worked out yet. It's pretty quiet here, with no car, no phone, and no internet, but, the, but that gives me a chance to perfect the lost art of letter writing. Think about Grandpa a lot these days, of course, and I don't think we know the whole story. A lot of people have been saying that he was getting old, and that the police couldn't find any si any signs of forced entry, and they keep talking about footprints. But I, s I saw him not even a week before he vanished, and I'm telling you, he was clear as a bell. He didn't just wander off. I'm not sure if you've heard about all the missing dogs around here. I know that Grandpa told the family that best that best liver went out and he had to put her down but that's not what he told me the last time i was here sorry for not mentioning it before i should have trusted you grandpa's house is at least a hundred years old a lot of hallways are really narrow and the doors don't fit exactly right he kept the bones bet he kept the bones for best in the pantry across from his study where he read the newspaper. Grandpa said that Bess had a nightly habit of begging for a bone while he was reading. The hall was so tight that Bess could put her paws up against the pantry door and put her butt against the door, uh, against the study door. And there was a gap under the, the door big enough for her tail to stick through. Grandpa would tease her a little. He'd say, Bess, is that you? Is that you, Bess? And she'd wag her tail at the sound of his voice. Then, after she'd proven her patience, he'd go and give her a bone. So one night, he was reading his newspaper as usual, and he heard Bess scratching against the pantry and saw her tail pop under the door. He said, Bess, is that you? Wag, wag, pant, pant. Is that you, Bess? Wag, 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 pant, pant, thump. The tail fell over and went limp. So Grandpa opened the door to make sure she was okay, but Bess was gone and all that was left was her tail. With a knot of dry gristle at the end, no blood or anything, and that was the last he ever saw of her. So I admit, when I moved in here, the first thing I did was hunt for dog remains. Maybe Grandpa had really gone crazy. Maybe he was the dog stealer and all the neighborhood pooches were in, the, in a shallow grave under the tomato plants. But I didn't find any dead dogs or any tails or any bones. I thought I would, I thought I would when I checked the basement, though. His clothes were all over the place, neatly folded, a shirt here, some pants there. No piles, just individual individual articles of neatly folded clothing on the washer. The dryer, the dusty chairs, the floor. Not just his regular laundry either. There was his good suits, his crazy paisley stuff from the 70s. 
some of grandma's old clothes, some of the stuff lying around wasn't even theirs, unless grandpa became a hardcore ACDC fan while we weren't looking and started collecting tour t-shirts. I had no idea what he could have been up to, but my first thought was that these were dog graves. So I basically tossed the place. No corpses or body parts. The only thing I found was a hole behind the dryer. It surprised me because, especially in a house this old, you expect moisture problems. But it was dry as a bone. Smelled a little, I don't know, spicy? It looked like it went pretty deep, but there was no blood trail or anything. So I figured that the end of this, um... That, that'd be the end of this. I left the clothes in a pile in the corner. But, they were back today. All folded in the same spots as before, perfectly neat. And right in front of the dryer was a new set of, a new set of folded up bathrobe and a pair of shorts. Also, there was a weird light, little fleshy gray nub thing on top. No blood. Looked mummified. I know, I get that grandpa's never coming back. Because Grandpa was born with a vestigial, a vestigial tail. He never mentioned it, but I know he had one. Because I've seen dads. Also, I have one. And whatever this is, it doesn't like me. But there's nowhere for me to go, so I may vanish. If I was you, I would sell this place. Don't wait for my nub to show up. It's not like I was heading anywhere. Give my love to the girls. Love, Wayne. Well, uh, I hope you had fun. And I will see all of you later. So, um, have a good one. Uh, don't die, stay alive, and most importantly, stay nameless. Bye-bye.